This program features interviews with respected healthcare industry experts on current topics of substantial national importance. Your host for the program is David Intricasso, a DC-based healthcare policy analyst and researcher. We invite you to comment on the program by visiting thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Now, here's David. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. Again, I'm the host, David Intracasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss the Human Rights Watch's recently published report titled, They Want Docile, How Nursing Homes in the U.S. Over-Medicate People with Dementia. With me to discuss the report is the author, Ms. Hannah Flam. Ms. Flam is currently an immigration lawyer at the Doors Legal Services Center in New York City. Hannah, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Ms. Flam's bio is, of course, posted on the podcast website. On background, the Human Rights Watch's report contributes to an already existing body of evidence generated in part by the Department of Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General that finds nursing home providers who receive approximately two-thirds of their reimbursement from Medicare and Medicaid continue to widely misuse or abuse powerful antipsychotic drugs to effectively restrain chemically residents with Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia. To be clear, these drugs, for example, Haldol, Seroquel, and Risperdal, are not approved to treat dementia. In addition, these facilities commonly administer these meds in ways that violate both FDA and CMS regulations concerning medical appropriateness and consensual standards of care. Furthermore, the widespread abuse of administering antipsychotics to also endangers, rather, nursing home residents since the side effects of these drugs includes severe nervous system problems, altered mental states, irreversible cognitive decompensation, blood clots, stroke, and death. In testimony before the Congress in 2007, FDA's Dr. David Graham stated, and I quote, 15,000 elderly people in nursing homes are dying each year from the off-label use of antipsychotic medications for an indication that the FDA knows does not work, close quote. Even with progress made over the more recent past in reducing the number of deaths related to the misuse of these drugs, based on Dr. Graham's estimate, well over 100,000 nursing home residents have died via the use of these medications over the past approximately 10 years. Listeners may recall, finally, I initially discussed this topic in December 2012 with Diana Zuckerman, president of the National Center for Women and Families. With me again to discuss the HRW's report, They Want Docile, is Hannah Flam. So, Hannah, with that as a, sorry, uh, perhaps uh, lengthy uh, background statement, let me ask uh, first by um, questioning, what was the uh, motivation or what prompted this study? Um, Human Rights Watch has been working on the rights of women, of children, of refugees, and other demographics for decades. Um, And it is only recently that we have expanded our work to focus on the rights of older people, because both in the United States and internationally, there's a conception that older people may deserve benevolent care if they end up in an institution like a nursing home but we often don't think of them as equal rights holders. So Human Rights Watch brought a human rights lens to analyzing the problems that many nursing home residents face 
there's over 1.1 million Americans over the age of 65 in over 15,000 nursing homes across the country, the majority of which are uh, privately owned and for-profit. And um, the older population in the United States is growing, and age is the primary risk factor for developing dementia. And to be in a nursing home is to be isolated and vulnerable, and dementia compounds those problems, and the mistreatment of residents with dementia exacerbates it as well. So um, that was the motivation for looking at antipsychotic drugs in nursing homes specifically. It really crystallizes both the isolation and the lack of accountability that many residents face. Thank you. Thank you for that. Before we get into the findings of the report, let me ask you, could you briefly uh, provide an overview of your methodology? Sure. So the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, an agency within the Department of Health and Human Services, has a website called Nursing Home Compare. And every nursing home across the country that is certified by Medicare and Medicaid, which is the vast majority, uh, every nursing home is required to submit quarterly a significant amount of data that does not reveal any person's identity or private information. Um, but as a result of what is provided, it's possible for you and I to look online at every nursing home's quarterly rate of, of prescribing antipsychotic drugs to residents who do not have a diagnosis for which the drugs have been approved. Uh, there's some nuances to that, but for the most part, it is very easy to see in the 15,000-odd nursing homes um, where residents are being given these drugs inappropriately. So that was our starting place. I identified six states, not because they all have high rates of antipsychotic drug use at the state level, but... Um, we identified California and New York in part because they have such a disproportionate number of the nation's nursing homes and nursing home residents. We identified other states like Texas and Kansas to focus on because they do have such a high rate of use compared to others, other rates in the country. So between December 2016 and March 2017, I went to over 100 nursing homes and interviewed over 300 people, including residents family, frontline staff, administrators, medical directors, um, and government regulators and academics, among others. And I was focusing on nursing homes that had between 20% and 70% of their residents being given antipsychotic drugs without an appropriate diagnosis. Okay, thank you. So just to uh, note the other two states, Illinois and Florida, and uh, you did note that most nursing homes today are for-profit of the 109, you note in your report, 72 were for-profit. You were refused admission to a few of these, weren't you? Yes. Some nursing homes that I was visiting, I was invited to by a resident, and residents have the right to receive visitors under federal regulations. In other cases, I had written a letter ahead of time to the nursing facility administrator explaining Human Rights Watch's purpose in visiting and requesting the permission to visit. Um, and in other cases, I arrived in person and stated who I was, what I was doing, and requested permission 
either to speak with staff or with residents. And in some cases, um, not the majority, but in some cases, I was refused entry. Um, in a couple cases, it was very hostile and made me wonder what was happening. Okay, thank you. I'll just note in your methods discussion, you do say, and I'm quoting, as a result, residents interviewed do not reflect the most isolated and at-risk people in nursing facilities. These would be people on their own, no family or friend support, and or have cognitive disabilities that impairs their ability to communicate or advocate on their own uh, behalf. Let's get into this now. Um, so top of line, uh, I'll ask, in sum, uh, how widespread in your research did you find the practice of administering these uh, medications uh, to these patients? So my research was not looking at a statistically significant sample. That's what the federal publicly available data um, serves. But it was shocking to me that when I'm going to facilities, announced or unannounced, on a random Saturday or weeknight or morning, it was shocking the things that I observed by happenstance that I was there at that time. There was one time that I was in a residence room interviewing her, sitting across from her, and a nursing staff walked into the room and said, ma'am, I have your Seroquel. It's time for your Seroquel, which, as you noted, is one of the more common antipsychotic drugs. And this woman said, Seroquel is nowhere in my record. I take something for cholesterol. I take something for my blood pressure. I do not take Seroquel. And she was adamant. And it was not rare that I met somebody who was being given or had previously been given antipsychotic drugs against their will. But it was rare for me to see somebody object because so many residents feel vulnerable, they fear retaliation, or they are unaware of the drug's dangers, and so they don't object when they otherwise might. Okay, thank you. You do note, per the uh, federal data, that over 179,000 residents in the average week who do not have a diagnosis for schizophrenia or, say, bipolar um, diagnosis for which these drugs are approved are actually being administered, uh, these drugs. And you say further uh, in your report, you use the phrase massive use, quote-unquote, of these antipsychotics. The report's in uh, four subtopics. Uh, the first is risks and harms. And we, we, I noted, at least in the intro, uh, that the use of these drugs do pose substantial uh, side effects, including uh, death. But let me go to your findings relative to uh, these other subtopics. You note, and as you just suggested in your answer, uh, your last answer or comment relative to one visit, inappropriate and non-consensual use or failure to have obtained free and informed consent. So what more can you say about um, that related problem? Sure, and just to revisit briefly your point about 179,000 older people, that is a conservative estimate that is discounting residents who are in a rehabilitative uh, part of the nursing home, short stay in the technical language, and it is discounting people who are in a nursing home where the majority of residents are under the age of 65. So the actual number may be higher. Um, and 
And it is important to note that even though more people or a higher proportion of people used to be given antipsychotic drugs five to ten years ago in nursing homes, 179,000 people in any given week is still incredibly high. And it's many more people who are affected since um, the residents of any nursing home are rotating or not the same people over the course of two years, for instance. Um, and yes, the drugs are dangerous. They, it is very rare for the Food and Drug Administration to put a black box warning on a drug, which is its strongest warning against use because of the risks. It's very rare to put a black box warning for a use that has never been approved in the first place. So antipsychotic drugs... Um, have never been found to be safe or effective for treating the symptoms of dementia, and yet that is their primary use in nursing homes. And I think it is very instructive how antipsychotic drugs increase the risk of death. It makes it almost twice as likely that a person will die within 10 weeks, speaking about older people with dementia. And it is both through cardiovascular incidents like heart failure and infections like pneumonia. And one expert said to me, the reason that one drug affects such different parts of the human body is because antipsychotic drugs in older people with dementia facilitate neglect. The problem is that the drugs are often used for their sedative effect because a facility may be short-staffed or staff may not have adequate training for people with dementia. And as a result, instead of complying with the law and medical ethics and identifying what is the underlying cause of a person's distress, they are slapped with antipsychotic drugs, which silence them and which may exacerbate health problems because it is much harder to identify what is going on. Just to uh, read the uh, warning, black box uh, warning label, quote-unquote, dementia-related psychosis treated with antipsychotic drugs are at an increased risk of death, close quote. Let me ask you about staffing as a motivation. Uh, What was your finding? You had a fair amount of discussion about staffing ratio, staffing time per patient, uh, et cetera, uh, and that's fairly well understood as being the motivation for the use of these. Right. Well, staffing is the primary determinant of the quality of care in nursing homes. It is what makes all the difference. And it is both a numbers game, having enough people on the floor to meet the complex and urgent needs of residents, and also a question of training. And um, some studies demonstrate a correlation between higher staffing levels and lower antipsychotic drug use, but there are many confounding factors, and so other studies demonstrate a lack of that correlation, which may be a result of lower levels of training of staff where the studies are only looking at numbers. Um, But the problem with staffing is that federal regulations only require nursing homes to have sufficient and competent staff, and that does not specify a ratio, as you said, of number of staff to residents or a number of hours per day that residents must have interaction with staff. I think it's important to understand that the frontline staff, the certified nurse aides or nurse assistants, are providing 
the most important care. It is everything from feeding a person and ensuring that they are not dehydrated and turning them over to avoid bed sores and walking to the bathroom um, from those activities of daily living to ensuring proper medical care. Um, some state laws are stronger than the federal regulations, but in many states they are they are not as strong as the federal regulations. Okay, thank you. Now, relative to convenience of staff, just to cite your report, uh, you note since dementia is often accompanied by irritability, agitation, aggression, hallucinations, delusions, wandering, disinhibition, anxiety, and depression, these medications then, as you noted, uh, cause patients to be drowsy and sedate them. You, you did note one example of a use, I believe it was in Texas, in which it was helping staff Uh, more efficiently shower patients? Yes. So federal regulations prohibit the use of any drug unnecessarily and prohibit the use of any drug as a chemical restraint, which is defined as using the drug not for a medical purpose, but for the convenience of staff or to discipline or punish a patient. Um, And it's interesting. In Texas, I went to one facility at the invitation of the sister of a resident and met the resident and reviewed her medical file, the medical chart. And in it, I saw the pink and blue prescription sheet that said 0.5 milligrams of Haldol Monday, Wednesday, Friday, one hour prior to shower. And that is very reminiscent of what an what a chemical restraint would be. It is using it for the purpose of making staff have an easier job at the risk of the resident who is entitled to minimally adequate care. Elsewhere in Texas, I went to a facility that had significantly reduced its antipsychotic drug rate among residents without an appropriate diagnosis. And the director of nursing there said she resented the federal regulators and the state inspectors who were pressuring her to reduce the facility's rate of use because she felt like she's the one on the front line. These outsiders from the government don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what it means to provide care in a nursing home. She said that anyone who speaks today like she used to speak, she wants to talk to them because now she knows differently. She said that her life and the life of the certified nurse aides, the frontline staff, is better. It is easier to provide care for somebody who is not sedated. Sedation facilitates warehousing. It is easier to warehouse somebody in silence with antipsychotic drugs. It is not easier to provide safe, quality care with antipsychotic drugs. Okay, thank you. Let's let's get to the rub here, and that's the adequacy, certainly inadequacy, of government oversight, government inspection, government fines, and that's your uh, discussion under your section, inadequate government regulations and enforcement. Uh, and you do note repeatedly through the document the 87 Nursing Home Reform Act and what that requires. But what was your find? What were your findings relative to the adequacy, or and you say inadequacy, of uh, the enforcement of government regs? And then we'll get to, you do a study, a quantitative study, looking at uh, fines, uh, financial fines, and let's just say they're um, limited. Yes. Um, So 
as I was saying about the publicly available information on the percent of Americans in nursing homes who are given antipsychotic drugs inappropriately, everyone listening to this podcast can also go online and look at half a million rows of Excel sheet spreadsheets describing how nursing facilities fail to comply with the law. The narrative deficiency reports, meaning every time a facility is inspected and found to not substantially comply with federal and state regulations, those reports are published. And the scope and severity, meaning how severely and how many people are harmed, is also identified. And when Human Rights Watch performed a quantitative analysis on that publicly available data, we found that between 2014 and 2017, in 97% of the instances where a facility had been cited for failing to comply with a regulation related to antipsychotic drugs, the facility's noncompliance was found to have caused no actual harm to a resident. And as a result, there's no mandatory financial sanction that attaches. So unsurprisingly, facilities that have been tagged for misusing antipsychotic drugs and facilities that have never been cited for misusing antipsychotic drugs have not reduced their rate of antipsychotic drug use in a statistically significant different way. There's very little incentive to comply with the law when the enforcement is so systematically weak. Right. You state that of those instances where fines were levied, 80% were less than uh, $10,000. Let me ask about um, this other related issue, and I remember this well from last year, and this is the reversal by the Centers for Medicare Medicaid Services, CMS, as it relates to binding arbitration in that one way this could be better policed is if patients complained, filed a complaint, uh, went to court, but explain to me how that doesn't happen under these binding arbitration requirements. Yes. So this is a global problem with nursing homes. Not only is the government's enforcement weak, but also there are numerous obstacles for private accountability, meaning I want to sue a nursing home because of how the nursing home treated my grandmother or or a resident wanting to sue or hold the facility accountable for a harm that they themselves suffered. So it is approximately half of nursing homes in the United States that include a pre-dispute arbitration agreement or contract in the admission package, which means that Upon entering a nursing facility, a person may be waiving their right to ever go to court to sue the nursing home for harm, including wrongful death. Um, Some nursing homes have binding pre-dispute arbitration clauses, which means that if a person refuses to sign, they will not be admitted to the nursing home. And many people in different parts of the United States don't have much choice. There is no other nursing home within 50 miles of where their family lives. Um, And as you were saying, in 2016, uh, the Obama administration uh, put in place a rule to prevent the use of binding pre-dispute arbitration agreements. Um, The American Healthcare Association 
immediately went to court to get an injunction against that rule, um, and and the issue remains in the courts. But it is one more example of the lack of accountability and the intentional um, establishment of protections, really, for the industry. And in the report, and I'll quote again, you wrote, because the patient depends on the provider for all their needs, it is unconscionable for such facilities to demand, as a condition of admission, that residents sign a pre-dispute agreement for binding arbitration. At the top of this uh, interview, you made reference to uh, Human Rights Watch's um, international work and your uh, concluding uh, section discussion in this report is um, this behavior, uh, these findings are relative to uh, international human rights law and what, and you cite uh, several international documents that put into question whether or not these practices in U.S. nursing homes don't violate uh, those. So could you um, make note of, of some of those and how uh, these practices in the U.S. are in conflict uh, with those uh, covenants and other agreements? Sure. So the administration of dangerous drugs and their administration without informed consent may rise to the level of cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment and forced medication, both of which are forbidden by international covenants. The International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights and the International Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights. And there are other conventions like the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities that further enunciate um, these prohibitions and establish protections for self-determination, bodily integrity, and autonomy. And the United States is not a party to all of those conventions, including the latter. Um, but it is nonetheless the aspirational human rights standard that the United States should be attempting to comply with. Okay, thank you. The report does make several recommendations, or many, over five pages. Um, can you briefly note uh, and since we've mentioned CMS, of course, uh, recommendations relevant uh, to CMS, you call for some congressional legislation, et cetera. Yes. Um, the bottom line that Human Rights Watch is calling for is enforcement of existing law, which I do not believe should be negotiable. Um, specifically, we are calling for an end to the use of antipsychotic drugs as chemical restraints, which are banned on paper. And we are calling for stronger informed consent requirements, stronger staffing requirements, and across the board, meaningful government enforcement. That is what nursing home residents deserve. It should not be the case that in the United States, when an older person or any person enters a nursing home, they are giving up rights that they otherwise would have. Thank you. I'll just note, uh, relative to your last uh, answer, you do note... Uh, Juan Mendez, the UN Special Rapporteur on Torture, in a 13, 2013 report, he noted medical treatments of an intrusive and irreversible nature when lacking therapeutic purpose may constitute torture or ill treatment when enforced or administered without free and informed consent of the person uh, concerned. Um, the report's recently out. 
So my question is, what's to date or so far uh, been the reaction to the report? And, and if you could work in, I failed to mention or note, um, to CMS's credit, uh, in 2012, they created the National Partnership to Improve Dementia Care in Nursing Facilities. The agency states that because of the partnership, there's been a decline in the miss or overuse of these medications from 24 to 16%. However, you may comment about whether, since the report or the effort's not been substantially evaluated, whether they, um, the efforts really or credit is more due to nursing home facilities taking it on their own. But back to CMS's reaction, and I will say this uh, partnership, as you note, uh, since uh, noting the reduction between 12 and 16 from 24 to 16%, CMS has not since 16 set new targets for reductions. So twofold, where is this partnership going and CMS's reaction? Um, CMS has not formally responded to the report, to my knowledge, since it came out, and they also did not respond to a written letter that I submitted last summer when I was attempting to elicit their reaction to our findings. Um, the National Partnership was established in response to public and congressional outrage at the excessive harm that these drugs do to tens, if not hundreds of thousands of Americans and the incredible amount of money that Medicare Part D spends on antipsychotic drugs for people who do not have appropriate diagnoses. Um, the partnership may have contributed and may have contributed significantly to the reduction in the inappropriate use that has occurred in the last several years. Um, to my knowledge, there's no study evaluating it or documenting to what one should attribute the decline. Um, but the problem with the partnership is that it is voluntary. It sets targets for reduction, as you noted. And since the report went to print, um, CMS has established a further target for some years from now. So what you see is that nursing homes that want to improve are using the resources that the National Partnership made available and using the attention that it has generated to improve the quality of care with regard to antipsychotic drugs. But other facilities that lack the resources or intention or awareness or priority to focus on improving care when it comes to antipsychotic drugs are not significantly improving. Also, the National Partnership focused specifically on antipsychotic drugs, which is one of several classes of psychotropic medication, which have similar effects on the body and the mind and similar dangers and a similar sedative effect. And so by being constrained to antipsychotic drugs only, there's a concern that some nursing homes will simply switch a prescription to one of the classes of medication that are not being watched so closely. So um, it is important that numerous tactics be applied, but I don't 
know that it is the government's role, that it is CMS's role, to simply encourage and provide resources for nursing homes to meet the requirements that are mandated by law, that facilities hold themselves out as being capable of meeting and providing when they open their doors in the first place. That is the outrage to me, that we are allowing nursing homes for decades to have a learning curve and and learn on our parents and siblings and grandparents. It is inexcusable in my mind. Right, and to emphasize the point further, these largely are very frail elderly residents, uh, many in their 80s, um, who have some level of cognitive impairment, maybe not full dementia, um, but certainly don't have the resources or the wherewithal to um, adequately monitor their own care, and many, of course, do not have uh, family formal caregivers otherwise. This is a pretty obvious question, but it'll be my going-out question, uh, Hannah. And I, I have personal experience with this. Um, what might you advise a, a patient who is admitted, whether it's short stay less than 100 days or longer, or family member, parent, sibling, um, relative to ensuring their, their relative, friend, family member is not uh, subject to uh, this uh, abuse? Residents, to the extent that they are able, and family or friends who are involved in the nursing home residence care should find out what medications are being given to their loved one or to themselves and what is the justification and what are the alternative treatments, both drug-based and non-pharmacological. That is the obligation of nursing homes. That is what is required by law to discuss the risks and benefits and alternatives and the rationale and how the drug will be monitored, side effects, drug-drug interactions, the attempt to gradually reduce the dose. But because these regulations are so poorly enforced, I would encourage residents and others in the community to essentially attempt to inquire about all of these factors. Um, The bottom line with antipsychotic drugs and people with dementia is that in the vast majority of cases, they don't work. That is the conclusion of the American Psychiatric Association, which reviewed dozens of studies on each of the antipsychotic drugs and produced a practical guideline for practitioners. And it is excruciating to have a loved one or to be a person with dementia experiencing some of the very difficult, debilitating, degrading side effects of dementia, but it is rare that antipsychotic drugs are going to help with that. And if a person is being given antipsychotic drugs and the facility's response to questioning about it is, if you don't accept the drugs, we won't be able to provide care and we'll have to discharge this resident, then I would recommend people contact their local ombudsman, a long-term care ombudsman program operates across the country as part of the Older Americans Act and should be an excellent resource for information and also to protect the residents' rights. Thank you again. The report titled, uh, They Want Docile, How Nursing Homes in the U.S. Over-Medicate People with Dementia, uh, authored again by Hannah Flam by the Human Rights Watch's organization. So, uh, Hannah, thank you again for this overview of the report. I commend it to... uh, Anyone listening, I will post a link to it. Uh, Thank you again for your time.
Thank you. You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website, thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and please listen again soon.